0: yeah welcome to Redemption Parker. My name's Pastor Rick. My name's Rick. I'm one of the elders here um but uh yeah it's good to have you here if, if you if you're visiting um if I haven't met you i'd I'd love to meet you after service um yeah it's 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 a sweet time to be worshiping in the local church as 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 the church calendar kind of puts our eyes on the season of lent this is the first sunday um as we've entered this season as now we move with anticipation towards easter kind of our 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 super bowl (laughs) um and so as we we entered this season we want to be mindful of, of of christ and his sufferings we want to be mindful of the 40 days in the in the wilderness and 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 uh yeah well, glad you are with us here at Redemption Parker. Maybe you've heard the joke. Um, there's two young fish They're swimming along in the sea um, and an older fish is coming right alongside them. And he nods at them, and says, morning, boys. How's the water? They keep swimming along. Eventually, one of them looks at the other and says, what the heck is water, bro? Like the water is for the fish, so culture can be for us. Culture is an unseen force that that shapes how we think, how we behave, and how we interact within society. It's, It's usually not until a visitor comes in or when we leave for another culture and then we return that we're able to see what may have gone unnoticed. This happened for me when when me and Holly visited our our missionary friends in Antalya, Turkey. We had one meal that just blew my mind, and it wasn't just the the flavor of the dish. Although if you know any place around here making a a Turkish doner, please let me know. Um, But what blew my mind was the amount of time that the meal took. There was zero hurry in this restaurant. It was lunchtime in the middle of the week. It seemed like these people had no cares in the world. They were there to enjoy this moment, this food with this people. In this restaurant, you could hear conversations and laughter. People weren't on their phones. They were actually engaging other human beings. And they hung out for hours, even after the food was gone, just sitting there, sipping their black tea. To this day, it was probably the longest lunch I've ever had. And yet the people who were there when we showed up were still there when we left. My American instincts said, get a job. <laughs> but, but in all reality, it was quite the enjoyable afternoon. Afternoon. It wasn't until I got back to the States where I was reminded just how productive our meals are. We're in and out, usually under an hour, and while waiting for our food, we get some work emails sent out. We catch up on our text messages. We might look up on the TV and, and see how our sports teams are doing. When, when the food finally comes out, we, we, we post it on our social media feeds then we quickly eat and get the heck out of there because we got more things to do. Hashtag let's go. We're not just a culture that is in a hurry with calendars that are way too full and obsessed with our productivity. We are a culture that is trained to look inward for purpose, for meaning, for joy. A culture that ultimately says you are who you feel yourself to be deep on the inside. This is what matters. This is the real you. This is ultimate truth. So boldly live it. And as you live in accordance with that inner man or woman or whatever you identify as, well, congrats. You are officially authentic. And the authentic life, according to our culture, is the good life, the one that promises us the most joy. This culture we live in is called expressive individualism. And whether you know it or not, this is the water that we are swimming in. Maybe you're like the fish. What the heck is expressive individualism, bro? Exactly. If you weren't here last week, we're, we're taking a little break in our series, The Gospel of Luke. We're doing a, a three-week sermon series on our mission statement at RP. we re- remembering who we are so we can be who God is calling us to be. In our mission statement, we are a church that exists to enjoy Jesus and make disciples Last week on our seventh birthday, Mark preached on the first six words. We are a church that exists, and today I have the joy and privilege of preaching the next three, to enjoy Jesus. The, the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, what is the chief end of man? Pretty important question. Answer, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so, yes, we, church, exist to enjoy Jesus. And according to the Westminster Divines, this is the chief end of our existence. But right now, some of you guys are tempted to check out. And I get it. It's like, okay, Rick, we know, we've known forever, we're supposed to enjoy Jesus. This is Christianity 101. But please don't check out. Like Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And So let's examine our lives within our culture and ask the question, are we enjoying jesus i mean really enjoying jesus like jesus is all i need kind of enjoying jesus can we say with the psalmist in psalm 73 whom have i in heaven but you and there is nothing on earth that i desire besides you man i'm not sure that's Our experience. And and so the question becomes what is robbing us from enjoying Jesus? As I thought long and hard on that question, one thing that I could not get out of my head this idea of expressive individualism. We have been wired as Americans in 2024 to look inward. Be true to yourself, you've been told. This is at the core of expressive individualism. Be true to yourself. This is our culture's mission statement. From Oprah Winfrey to Donald Trump, from from Dr. Seuss to, to Steph Curry, And just about every student body president, be true to yourself, we are told. You do you. Follow your heart. Find yourself. This is a culture we live in, expressive individualism, or like the sociologist Charles Taylor calls it, the age of authenticity. The goal look inward. Find your deepest self, and then give that to the world. This is authenticity. This is how one finds true identity, true happiness, lasting joy. So we're told. Or in the words, my daughter's favorite princess, Elsa from Frozen. Oh, she looked up. <laughs> It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. (laughs) As as a survey in in 2015 found 91% of U.S. Americans agreed that the best way to find yourself was to look inward. Yes, I promise you this is is the air we breathe. We collectively breathe. I mean, our, our, our own town statue in Parker, for crying out loud, is the self-made man. You go walk down Main Street, you, you stay to the right, you'll run right into this. And David Brooks is right when he says, people today believe that when you're figuring out how to lead your life, the most important answers are found deep inside yourself i think it's safe to say that as a culture we are suffering from a collective identity crisis and yet we at redemption parker in a very countercultural move exist at least on paper to enjoy jesus now let me ask you this Can you say that your existence is characterized by joy, joy in Christ? Now, in our expressive individualist culture that we live in, the the most important thing, the rule number one, if you go look this up, is that we pursue happiness, That, that, that we pursue above all else, what will give us our greatest joy. And as I'll get to in a minute, I actually think that's how God has wired each one of us. So it's an image of God rule, not just to rule from the expressive individual. But the question is, where do we find that happiness? And where do we look? I want to argue this morning that we cannot look inward. We cannot look inward. Rather, we must look up, look around, look behind and ahead. That's where I'm headed this morning. Why do we exist, Redemption Parker? We exist to pursue joy. And when we understand that the greatest joy of all is found in Jesus, among God's people, and within a larger narrative, Then and only then do we come to know the good life as God has intended. We exist to enjoy Jesus. And friends, I hope to show you that Jesus doesn't just make your life better. Jesus is better than life. My goal this morning is to to be like Paul with the Corinthians, namely a worker with you for your joy. That that was the heart of Paul's ministry. It's the heart of ours at RP as well. And if we're going to be a church that actually exists to enjoy Jesus, we need to know where to look. So let's start by looking up. If you would open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms, Israel's Prayer Book. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. This will be our launching verse, but we'll actually be all over the scriptures this morning. So fasten your seatbelts. Psalm 42. We'll start in verse 1. As I'll wait till the, the pages stop turning. As the deer pants. For longs for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I know for a lot of us it's been a long week. So let me let me slow down and read that again. And, and as I do, is there anything in you that wants what the psalmist wants? I know I do. As the deer pants. For streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Or listen to how Eugene Peterson puts it in his translation. A white-tailed deer drinks from the creek. I want to drink God, deep Droughts of God. I'm thirsty for God alive. Is anyone thirsty for God this morning? Every human being, whether they would say it in those words or not, they're thirsty for God. We're all thirsty for God. This is how he has wired each one of us. In the 10th century BC, the author of Ecclesiastes said it like this. God has set eternity in the human heart. In the fourth century, the bishop from Africa, St. Augustine, said it like this, Our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. In the 20th century, the English philosopher C.S. Lewis said it like this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. We resonate with the psalmists because we're made in God's image. And so we thirst for the one whose image we bear, God Himself. But though the human race has a deep longing, a thirst for God, we all don't look up to quench that thirst. We see all throughout the Old Testament, God's people, Israel, they're always worshiping. They're just not always worshiping Yahweh, God. They longed for God, but but like us, would often make idols to worship instead. And like we see in in Psalm 115 verse 8, those who make idols will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. We become what we love. And we are all lovers. We are all worshipers. Mark sent me a a commencement speech this week, a a YouTube video. It it was from the author David Foster Wallace. And he's addressing a bunch of graduates in Kenya. It was quite the speech, but there was one line that I just couldn't get over. and, and, And Wallace was not a Christian, but here's what he said. Quote, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And, and, and when we look inward, friends, we end up worshiping ourselves. Worshiping our careers, our families, money, retirement, our looks, people's approval, politics. The list can obviously go on and on. In the commencement speech, he tells these these young people that if they worship any of these, then these idols will, quote, eat you alive. Unfortunately, his life ended in tragedy. David Foster Wallace hung himself on his porch. Whatever he chose to worship, in the end, it did not satisfy. Literally ate him alive like Pascal once said, all men seek happiness, even those who hang themselves. Fortunately for us, the the Bible knows that we all seek happiness. This is how God has wired us. But the Bible also teaches us where to find true happiness, lasting joy. The New Testament commands us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Psalm 16 tells us in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness, joy. Philippians chapter three, starting in verse seven. This is the apostle Paul speaking. He says this, but whatever were gains to me. And he, he was an accomplished Jew. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them as garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Surpassing worth of knowing Christ. A longing to be found in Jesus. In Galatians, Paul says that you know God. But then he continues, or rather, you are known by God. Beloved brothers and sisters at Redemption Parker, we are known by God. Let that sink in. Known by God. God, if you've ever thought, man, wouldn't it feel amazing to be completely known? When we look up church, we realize that we are completely known and utterly loved. Are you looking up to enjoy the one Who completely knows you and fully loves you? Or are you looking for happiness somewhere else? If so, you are, like C.S. Lewis would say, far too easily pleased. You don't realize the joy that is yours now and forever in Jesus. We exist, church, to enjoy Jesus Let's not settle for lesser joys. And Jesus, the the Son of God incarnate, doesn't just make your life better, friends. He is better than life. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, before we, we move to our second point, looking around, I do have to say, second service, you guys are locked in and loud, and you guys are usually the quiet ones, so this is, this is fun. But, but before we move to our second point, looking around, a couple practical applications, how we look up. sounds awesome. How do we do it? First, and this could be a, a sermon in and of itself, but, but, but first, I would just say, learn the spiritual disciplines. The, the, the ancient practices or, or habits that Christians have been doing for 2,000 years to connect with God, to enjoy Jesus. Like I heard this week, we can't think our way out of something we habited our way into. We, we all long and thirst for God, but, but we can't just know in our minds that he is good We need to build some habits for us to to taste and see that he is good. Ryan knew and I were, were, were talking about how hard the spiritual discipline of solitude is in our culture. I mean, I can hardly just be silent for like three seconds. But we want to we hold each other accountable to this spiritual discipline, this practice. Because, because it's in solitude that Christians throughout the centuries have experienced the love of God. And that's just one of the practices. Learn them. Find someone to hold you accountable. Create a rule of life and stick to it. Structure brings freedom. We do it with our budgets. We need to do it with our walks with God. We all know that the people we love most, if we want our relationship with them to deepen, we need to spend time with them. Well, The same is true with God. And I know we're busy. I'm right there with you guys. But but, but I read this week that the average screen time for Americans in 2023, seven hours and four minutes a day. So surely... We have a little time we can give to the spiritual practices in pursuit of enjoying Jesus. Amen. If you need some resources, hit me up. Second, looking up is not only what we do in our direct forms of worship, like when we pray and fast and read scripture and practice Sabbath. No, worship never stops. So we look up indirectly always. When we're enjoying a slice of pizza or or engaging conversation with a friend or a spouse or wrestling your kids, drinking a, a good glass of wine or hiking a 14er or, of course, watching the greatest franchise in NBA history, the Los Angeles Lakers win more rings. Amen from the front row. As Christians, we know God, or rather, we're known by the God who gives good gifts. We, we can actually enjoy Jesus. This is part of why we exist. We enjoy Jesus through the gifts he gives us. We see through the gift to the one who gives. Let's live a Godward-facing life as we look up. Amen? Amen. But let's also look around. This is my second point. These next two will go a lot faster. First uh, John chapter three. Looking around. We'll start here in verse one. The Apostle John says this: "See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are." You hear the plural. Language, us, we, through the immense love of God, Jesus is not only our Lord, our Savior, our substitute for sin, our King. Praise God, he is those things. But he's also our elder brother. The second person of the Godhead, Jesus, the Son of God incarnate, is not ashamed to call us Redemption Parker, his brothers and his sisters. My favorite part in in the lion, the witch and the wardrobe is when Aslan has come back to life. And as they're about to make their way into the final battle scene, he's calling out all the animals to join in with him. As he's setting up his squad, he says, Quote, those who are good with their noses must come in front with us lions. Well, the other lion, if you remember, loses it. He's blown away the hazlons. We would place him as an equal. Us lions? I'll let C.S. Lewis share the excitement. Quote, the most pleased of the lot was the other lion, who kept running about everywhere, pretending to be very busy, but really in order to say to everyone he met, Did you hear what he said? Us lions. That means him and me. Us lions. That's, that's what I like about Aslan. No sigh, no standoffness. Us lions. That meant him and me. Don't you love that? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, friends, he is not ashamed to look at you and call you his brother, his sister. The the love of God has been lavished upon us that he would become as we are. Take upon himself the sin that we deserve so that we would become as he is. His father is now our father we like the lions should be looking at each other like did you hear what he said jesus is our brother god the father looks down on me and says this is my beloved son whom i love and whom i'm well pleased this is my beloved daughter Whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. So yes, we must look around because, well, we're family. Blood, thought, family. This is not just a metaphor. John said we should be called children of God. And then he adds, and that is what we are. We, together, as the family of God, exist to enjoy Jesus. We, us who have been lavished by God's love in the gospel, enjoying Jesus' redemption, Parker, is a community project. And it takes place within the local church, alongside your blood-bought brothers and sisters. All week long, we get hit from every angle with the temptation to look inward. Carl Truman says our our culture is tempting us to think that the real me is the person who dwells inside my body. And thus, I am most truly myself when I'm able to act outwardly in accordance with those inner feelings. This is where we're all tempted to go. That's why many have left the church. This is why the church in the West can feel so much like the rest of this consumerist culture. The church exists for me, we think. But when we find ourselves in a community within the local church, we look around and we're reminded, we're reminded... We're reminded, for instance, when we read out loud our New City Catechism. For instance, question one that says, what is our only hope in life and death? As we look around, we hear from our family the the answer that we are not our own, but belong to God. Hmm. Authenticity and how the Bible describes it is allowing my inner feelings. I'm not saying those inner feelings are totally off. But but, but allowing my inner feelings to conform to outward realities, not the other way around. This is what happens when we hear sermons each Sunday. As we sing songs that are rooted deeply in rich theology. As we recite creeds and take the Lord's Supper and experience the miracle of baptism. Yes, Sunday mornings, the Lord's Day, is kind of a big deal. We need to make it a priority. It's in the local church on Sunday morning where where God has ordained the means of grace to take place in your life. This is for your joy. But looking around doesn't end on Sunday morning. We look around at at men's group, for instance, as, as, as men are being vulnerable. Being known and knowing others, encouraging one another to enjoy Jesus by confessing our sins to each other, by bearing each other's burdens. We can't live out the one another commands in Scripture without looking around. From our core groups to our GCs, youth group, men's and women's ministry, our institute, Every ministry you see at RP exists so that we would enjoy Jesus. And we come, we come to know ourselves in being known by, look around, people other than ourselves. Are you a part of the family of God? If so, are you known? Like truly known by those in the family of God. Doing life together is part of our enjoyment of Him. We at Redemption Parker exist to enjoy Jesus. We do this as we look up, we do this as we look around, and last one, we look behind and ahead. Here's where our stories matter. Tim Keller has said, everyone lives and operates out of some narrative identity, whether it is thought out and reflected upon or not. You are your story. You are your story. And it's important that we know our stories, have people that we can share our stories with, grieve from and heal from the the traumatic aspects of our stories own our stories this is why again and in, in men's group life together on sunday nights every six weeks or so one of us shares our story and it's not just i started from the bottom now i'm here no it's our full stories how did we get to where we are what shaped us what what trauma have we experienced how do we become christians Our story matters because we all operate out of some narrative identity. We are story creatures. But can't stop there. If we're going to look behind and ahead with the goal of enjoying Jesus, we can't stop with our stories. We need to see that our stories have been placed In another's story, namely Jesus's story in Colossians chapter three, the apostle Paul says this, you have died and your identity is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life or life story appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We exist to enjoy God, but we will not experience the, the joy of the Lord until we realize that, that in our shared stories of coming to Jesus, we have been crucified with Jesus. Our story has intersected with his. It's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. The the life we now live, Redemption Parker, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When, When Christ's story becomes our story, we begin to realize that Jesus doesn't just make our life better. Jesus is better than life. And we get to share that life. That life becomes our life. But, but, but this life, as the apostle Peter says, that this life of joy, inexpressible and full of glory is also costly. Jesus doesn't just make our life better because we can't just add a little Jesus onto our self-made lives. In Jesus's wonderful parable about the worth of his kingdom he, he 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 shares about a man who found some treasure hidden in a field what does this man do he digs a hole he hides this treasure and then jesus in matthew 13:44 says in his joy in his joy church he goes and sells everything and buys that field Now, the worth of this hidden treasure far surpassed the worth of anything he sold, but he still had to sell everything to get the treasure. We come to Jesus, friends, through faith alone. And saving faith is not treasuring. It just just isn't. It's not how I feel on a given moment. But this faith, this trust, this allegiance to King Jesus is a total surrender. Faith means we're all in. Imperfectly, we're still sinners or saints. We're all in. And when Jesus is our only hope in life and death, church, we realize that he is better than life. Joy inexpressible and full of of glory, now and forever. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for Christ, who is the great treasure. Thank you for the gospel that ultimately... Through Christ, we've been given everything. Lord, I pray that as a people, as your people here in Parker, we would live out our mission at Redemption Parker. We exist to enjoy Jesus. Oh, Lord, please, please make us the most joyful people. Help us to realize what we have. Help us to not look inward. Help us to look up, to look around, to look behind and ahead. We love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.